0: We're talking today with Nicole Bernier, a writer and editor who wrote the feature story in the latest issue of Learning Well magazine called How Do You Build a Career You Love? The story focuses on how colleges throughout the country are using design thinking, pioneered out of Stanford's Life Design Studio, to help students examine what kinds of careers will give both meaning to their lives as well as a living The topic is particularly relevant as purpose in one's work has proven to improve well-being over time, as reported by Gallup. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here to chat about your great article. It was really fun working with you on that. You start off your article talking about the Life Design Studio at Stanford, famously run by Bill Burnett, who wrote the book Designing Your Life that became a number one bestseller. What do you take away as his main message? So just for our listeners, in in terms of getting the backdrop for this kind of approach to learning?
1: Sure. I need to start off by saying, when I first read the book, I actually did not realize that the course at Stanford and its applications for students came first. So I thought the book came first and the concepts, and then it was being applied later to college uh, students, but it's not. It actually grew out of the college, which is really interesting to me. So the idea, because Bill Burnett has a background in product design, design thinking is basically a methodology of creative problem solving. So what you're doing is basically opening up your mind to prototype different kind of options and solutions. You know, what would it look like if I made X, the organizing principle for this problem that I'm trying to solve, instead of Y? What if I were building everything around this scenario? And then you use different exercises to think creatively and to open up your mind and actually to sneak different possible solutions past your inner sensor, right? Because oftentimes when we're pre-associating and thinking, what could I do? And in the student's case of a planning a life and a career, what could I do for a living? Let's say they, they identify the fact that they really love music before they even have a chance to write it down in an exercise formally. They might Their inner sensor might already be saying, you can't carry a tune. Why are you even thinking about having anything to do with music?
0: That's funny. I was going to say that would have been me. (laughs) It's It's definitely me. me. Yeah. (laughs) And I won't give any samples of that right now. But I will tell you, I didn't realize that either, actually, Nicole, when I read that book. So it was interesting to understand the, the context. Related question. So, design thinking can apply to anything, obviously. We've seen engineering, management consulting, blah, blah, blah. But I want to talk today about what really you discovered, which is how this is being applied, not just to college students, but to college students as it relates to career development. I know you spoke to a lot of students and administrators. So, tell us a little bit about how this is sort of catching on around the country and what are some examples that you looked at?
1: Sure. So one of the other interesting things, um, when I started reporting this, I didn't realize just how far it has caught on. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of universities across the country and across the world are taking advantage of these concepts. Um, and it started because once the book came out, they kind of started beating down the author's door, Bill Burnett out of Stanford and saying, hey, we want to apply this to our school too. So it was almost kind of a cool boomerang effect in that, you know, it started as a class at the school. Then it became a book, which gave it to the general public, which became a New York Times bestseller. And then other schools heard about it and said, hey, look what they're doing. We want to do that too. Can you teach us how? And then Stanford had to scramble and say, how how are we going to do this? And they created workshops and studios in order to teach other schools what they were doing. And it's really been interesting is once they make these connections, both mentally and actually connections with other professionals, they're taking it out and making it their own. So for example, at Bowling Green University, I spoke to folks there who probably have one of the most extensive examples of applying this. It kind of goes throughout the whole university from the admissions process all the way through to alumni. They have it as a mandatory course for students when they first come in, and then they take it again when they're graduating. So the idea is you know, designing your Tulane experience when you're first coming in. And then when you're heading out, designing your career. And so at every stage, as you said before, you're using it for problem solving and also kind of conceptualizing what the next stage is that you're heading into. It's a way of planning. And it uses, like you said, out of the engineering program, physical product design is kind of what it's based on. And sometimes that prototyping is actually drawing circles on a large piece of paper to free associate different ways that things might look. So that's one thing that Bowling Green is doing. They're also doing a special track for student athletes to envision the way their life might look through sports or in addition to sports going forward at Tulane. Tulane has a long history of change-making as part of its curriculum and philosophy there because of its history of difficulties coming out of Katrina and everything else. They apply life design for people to think of new ways to impact their communities and their worlds. So you're using the principles of life design, thinking about a career, but also thinking about improving the circumstances in your community and your world.
0: From your conversations and your reporting, Nicole, what do you pull out as sort of the fundamental theme underlying this, right? So it's about aligning who you are with what you eventually are going to do. And there's so much out there right now about the value of college and you know what a degree gets you and you know part of it is making sure that you are pursuing particularly at that cost and effort the right kinds of things right so i want to ask you a little bit about what you you learned about that and and why you think that's so important i know you had a conversation with someone at stanford about what it is they're trying to not avoid, but what it is they're trying to get at, which is the default choices or the externally pressured choices. And I don't know, you're such a deep thinker. What does all that mean to you? I could
1: really go on about this for the longest time, but I think maybe to start with why this is so valuable for students would be a useful thing. Students have just the way schools are organized, everything is so linear in terms of their achievements you study for a test you take a test you pass a test you pass a grade you apply for something you get into something you complete and graduate from something so there's all these boxes that you check steps that you take and it's just a very linear achievement oriented process it's very much you know success and sale and it's like arriving and instead you're looking at life design as something that's not just something that you get to when you're, okay, now I'm done. I finished checking all the boxes. So I've become a doctor. Now I'm set. Instead, it's all a process and you're designing every day. So that's kind of what the big picture was to me, because it takes a lot of that pressure off for students and for everyone, which is, you know, I have to know exactly what I'm doing and have a plan in place and make sure. That I know exactly if someone's saying, you know, you have to jump, you have to jump this high. I'm exactly jumping this high and doing, you know, crossing every obstacle that I need to do. One of the things that really struck me speaking to some of these kids is that the kids who have really taken these courses are looking at it from such a healthy way. There was one guy who thought he wanted to go into finance. He just graduated from Tulane recently. I quoted him in the piece. And he said, you know, I I headed into Tulane, I thought I just, you know, was going to be a financial guy. I'm interested in business. So I did pursue business, but I also realized through the course of taking classes at Tulane that I'm also really interested in architecture and building. And I'm also really interested in community. I've always been a community-oriented person and sustainability and sustainable architecture. But that business piece is also important to me. But, you know, whereas before I might have been like, I'm going to go be an investment banker. That's what one does, right? Instead, he took classes in architecture, sustainability, obviously design thinking He did an honor thesis in sustainable architecture that at first focused on New Orleans, and then he won an award through the school to go study it in Singapore. So now that he's graduated, his first job is actually in a venture capital firm. But he's very quick to tell me, it's not, I'm not working in a venture capital firm so that that's all I do. I want to learn that piece of business, and then I can apply it to the next thing which might be getting an advanced degree in either architecture or sustainable design, but that this is one piece. So I have this kind of trajectory in mind and I can change course at any time. And so when you ask what's the big picture, I feel like the big picture that I'm hearing from the students is really a, an appreciation at a gut level that they don't have to have it all figured out right now at the outset. What they do need to do is figure out what makes them tick and what are those things that are like, the non-negotiables in their world that they really care about. They might become negotiable later on. You don't know, but right now they really care about X. So they are going to find a way to incorporate that on into the next step that they take, which can keep changing. But if you take the next right step, I know that's a phrase that's used a lot um, in all kinds of psychology circles, That you really can't go wrong by taking the next right step because you're always operating
0: out of a place of curiosity that's in line with your values. Mm. And so this is something that obviously continues throughout your life, or I'd like to think so. So it's way beyond like strength finder. You know, this is really, a, is it—is it the process itself, it sounds like, is part of the exploration, right? And I think it's really important because as we all know, your life can play out in so many different ways. So uh, again, you mentioned psychology. You know, there's a lot of data, particularly in the Gallup, study about how important it is to actually have a career that you feel is aligned with your purpose, right? This is the, These maybe are the non-negotiables you're talking about and how that actually leads to improved well-being over time significantly. I don't know if you spoke to anyone when you wrote the article about the well-being piece. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, it's that's come up so
1: many times in so many pieces that I've written for you and for the publication that if you don't have that well-being aligned, something's going to be missing. And actually one person I did speak to, Kathy Davies out of Stanford, in the life design lab there, was saying that it's critical to have things aligned in a way that you really care about because otherwise, and not use that linear thinking that we're talking about for students. Because otherwise, you get to age 40 and you look around at the landscape of your life and you might say, is this all there is? I thought I reached the top of the ladder. Like I thought I got that brass ring, but I don't, I'm not feeling like that's in the palm of my hand right now. So if you're looking at it again, that's the kind of the end result of the linear thinking. But if you're thinking about it in a design way and as an ongoing lifelong plan, then you're also thinking in terms of, well, maybe what's the next step going to be so I don't have to be in the office all the time while I do this? Maybe I'm mentoring what I love to other people. Maybe I'm letting other people be the phone jockeys at the home office and I'm working from home remotely, but I'm also pursuing these so-called hobbies that have always been real priorities to me. And that's the path to happiness that's really been shown through studies is that the closest that you can keep your life aligned to the things that matter a lot to you, and that also includes connections to people, obviously, that's part of the well-being
0: piece. So just so um, I can understand this process a little better, Nicole, in terms of how it works for students, it's not like a one-size-fits-all. So how does this play out for schools with different population groups, if at all?
1: So one of the beautiful things I think about this, about the whole, the exercises, the way they're designed, is they can apply to just about anyone. But some schools are taking a really innovative approach to specifically design it for particular affinity groups, populations. Some schools have designing the Black experience. Some schools have the designing the LGBTQ experience. Some schools have the designing experience for women. One school has designing the professional experience, so that's like a post, post-doc kind of experience. And in that way, you take a group of people who are all going through the same um, maybe life stage, and they're asking the questions in an environment where they're all looking for the same kinds of issues and answers, which I, th- I think was very
0: innovative. Well, very wise words from an, a really outstanding journalist. I have to say, too, <laughs> without embarrassing you, <laughs> Nicole, are you... She, You are a phenomenal writer. You're a great reporter. But I also have to mention that you're a mom of five. And I mentioned that because I do think that's what makes you so wise. <laughs> and I love that you're on. This is not the first piece that Nicole has written about this sort of the new way of thinking about career development and how that relates to well-being. So definitely look for more stories from Nicole Bernier. Before we we close, I just would say a little bit about the magazine and why we cover stories like this. So Learning Well is published by the Mary Christie Institute and the Coalition for Transformational Education. These are both, from people who know our work, organizations dedicated to examining how higher education experiences can lead to improved well-being, both on campus and throughout one's lifetime. And it's just, it allows us to look at the most interesting topics. Again, this designing your life work being one of them. So Nicole, thank you so much for telling us more about your article and your reporting. I did have one last question. You're sort of a lifelong learner as I am. Maybe not because I needed to learn more than you do, but in (laughs) any event. What I did want to ask you, because you and I talk about this, what was there something that you learned that was new from this work that you did?
1: You know, what really made an impression on me, and this is part of why I love being a journalist so much, is that I just I just take new things away from everything that I research. And it just becomes a piece of me. And so this wasn't new so much as it was a great reminder, that whole concept of, of the next right steps and following what rings true to you and that you don't have to have it all figured out, but you do have to have a plan. Um, and you mentioned my children. I do have one child that's applying to college right now, uh, my number three child. And he read a quote to me that means something to him. And it's something that Denzel Washington said in a graduation speech, uh, commencement speech at UPenn. Um, and it's a quote um From someone else, but he said, imagine you're on your deathbed and standing around your bed are the ghosts representing your unfulfilled potential. The ghosts are the ideas you never acted on. The ghosts, the talents that you didn't use. And they're standing around your bed, angry, disappointed and upset. We came to you because you could have brought us to life. They said, and now we go to the grave together. And the more I think about that, and that, that really made a very daunting impression on my
0: son. He's been carrying that
1: around. I didn't realize, but in his, he, he did a screenshot of it and I'm trying to. I realize what's disturbing to me about that is that it makes everything seem like it's a done deal. Like he's thinking in terms of the major league catcher that he once thought he would be. That's standing around the bed. Maybe the FBI agent who's going to do this major thing that's going to save the world. That's standing around. The, and he's and it, it's it's very tangible and it's a lot of pressure. How am I going to pick which thing I'm saying goodbye to? And I think with the design thinking, it actually wants you to dispense with that notion. And think of it in terms of the skills that are all inside you and that draw you towards all those people that are standing around the bed because they have those skill sets in them. So how are you going to take those skills and combine them and continue to use them throughout life in different ways that are most meaningful to you? It's not being the astronaut instead of the fireman and saying goodbye to the angry fireman. It's it's really using these skills and making them yours.
0: Wow. I, was, I had so many visions in my head when you went through that story. That's crazy and so insightful. And best of luck to number three going off to college, by the thank way. Thank
1: you. Thank you to all of us. Yeah, on our behalf.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nicole, thank you so much for being with us. And come back again and we'll talk more about the additional pieces you're going to be writing for Learning Well.
1: Thanks so much, Marge. It was a pleasure.
0: This has been the Quadcast, a program of the Mary Christie Institute. To learn more about our work,
1: go to marychristieinstitute.org, where you can sign up for the MC feed, our weekly news roundup, and Learning Well Magazine, a publication at the intersection of higher education and lifelong well-being. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening.